receptivity. That whatever might um, get in the way of us hearing from you, Lord, would you just remove those distractions? We're grateful for the opportunity to be together as a church family, to listen to your word together, to grow together, to love one another, and to help one another work this out as a family. Thank you. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, if you have your Bibles, please turn in them to uh, John, the book of John. We're in chapter 14, and Nicole Egner gets to read our passage for this morning. Good morning, Nicole. Would you please stand for the reading of God's word? Again, we're in John 14, starting in verse 15. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. Lots of coughing out there. I'm one of them. I see you through a fog. My, my head is all domed with a little bit of sickness, so if I sound funny or say things that don't make sense, you'll know why. Um, Happy New Year to everybody. Great to be together at the beginning of a new decade, as Mark just said, and to worship together, to be in God's Word together. Um, I had a really lovely time off after Christmas Eve and had some good time with family and um, great time up in the snow with the girls, which was so fun, and so um, it's nice to, to be back and back into the groove in the new year. As Mark mentioned, we're going to start this year by doing a series on the Holy Spirit. We're going to be looking at who he is, or what he does in our lives, um, what it means to be filled with the Spirit. What does it mean to, to live in the Spirit and to walk in the Spirit? What does it mean to surrender our lives to the Spirit of God and watch him uh, be at work in our lives? And I'll just say, I've, I've been, in the last year or two, I've been in increasing numbers of conversations where there's people in our midst who are hungry for this, 
who are going, gosh, is there, I would love to see the Spirit do work of renewal in my life and a renewal in our community. Not to say he isn't already doing lots of stuff, but there's this hunger for a fresh movement of God through his Spirit. And so we thought we'd start this year by just saying, what does it mean to be a people surrendered to God's Holy Spirit? Whatever he wants to do and just say, Lord, you know, we're your, we're your people, we're your temple. So breathe again and do fresh things and renew us again in this new year. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to spend a couple months. Um, I actually don't know how long the series will be. We're going to let the Spirit lead on that. And, um, <laughs> um, so, but well, it'll be a couple months for sure. We're going to look at this, the different facets of who he is and particularly his role in our lives. Um, and I thought, you know, Mark mentioned this. I thought I'd start this series uh, he, that, you know, whenever you start a series, everyone brings their own set of assumptions to a series, right? And I think that's probably particularly true with the Holy Spirit, that when you want to talk about the Holy Spirit, everyone comes with a set of uh, past experiences or non-experiences or baggage, we might call it, or whatever. Um, the baggage is there, and I don't mean that in a negative way, but we carry bags of assumptions and past thoughts and all that. And I think especially with the Holy Spirit. And so I thought it'd be helpful just to acknowledge that, that when someone says Holy Spirit, all of us has a different thought about that, a different maybe excitement about that or not excitement or anything in between. And so I thought I would just kind of share um, the bags that I bring to the person of the Holy Spirit. And I want to do that through when I graduated from high school. If you had said, I'm going to talk to you about the Holy Spirit, I want to just share, here's the bags that I would have brought as an 18-year-old guy who grew up in the church, okay? And hopefully, I'm imagining some of you will relate to this, or you may have a, a counter experience that's, that's the polar opposite of mine. But they're all in this room, so I think it's important just to start there. So um, here, I, I would have brought three bags with me uh, on, a, on a conversation about the Holy Spirit. The first would have been what I would call just a bag of ignorance and confusion. Okay, so I grew up at a church and in a youth group that just didn't talk about the Holy Spirit very much. So there was just a lack of... Uh, knowledge, certainly a lack of experience. And, and I believed that, that God was a trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So I, I knew that part. But other than that, I, I, I don't remember ever being taught about the Holy Spirit or having a sense of who he was. So the Holy Spirit was just this, for me, just this mystery. And I also knew him as Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. So as a kid, I knew that there was a Holy Ghost. So I kind of pictured this ghost thing. And honestly, as, as an 18-year-old, if I had heard Holy Spirit, I would have had this vision of like this amorphous, formless, impersonal, blobby, ghosty, misty thing. Like that's what would have come into my mind when, you, when I heard Holy Spirit. But very, this in, impersonal force. And, you know, I was a huge Star Wars fan. So honestly, like the force was kind of my working definition of the Holy Spirit, right? This impersonal energy field created by all living things that surrounds us and penetrates us and binds the galaxy together, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but this, this impersonal energy force uh, kind of thing, the Holy Spirit was definitely not a he. The Holy Spirit would have been an it, right? It's an it, impersonal force energy. Um, the Father and the Son, I could see them as personal, right? I can kind of picture a father. I know God's not really a, a, like a human father, but I can imagine a father, of course, Jesus. I can imagine him as a human being. So they felt personal, but the Holy Spirit was an it. And really, I, I believed in the Trinity technically, um, 
But I was really a Binitarian. I, I, I was more of a Binitarian. I believed in the Father and the Son and the Holy Scriptures. You know, that was, my, that was my Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Scriptures. I didn't know what to do with the third person of the Trinity. So that would be a bag of just ignorance and, and mystery and confusion. Uh, the second bag would have been, I would say, a little bit um, even less helpful. And it would have been uh, a bag of suspicion and guardedness if you talked to me about the Holy Spirit. So... Um, at 18, I was aware that there was another stream of Christianity, another group of Christians that I would have known maybe as Charismatics or as Pentecostals or some word by that. And I imagined worship services that those kinds of Christians had. And I had no direct experience of those worship services, but I pictured worship services where really weird things happened. Okay? So people were speaking in tongues that they didn't understand what they were saying, and it was all happening at the same time, and like people were receiving gold teeth miraculously in services, and people were being like knocked down by other people and slain in the Spirit. And Again, I never actually experienced any of these things, but that when I thought of the Holy Spirit, um, I thought of those kinds of experiences, or, or I thought of certain Christians I knew that I would feel like just over-spiritualized everything. Like, oh, God told me to, you know, take this parking lot. And God told me to, to you know, date this person. And God, it's just like they're always saying that God told me. And I'm, I'm like, I don't know if God told you about the parking lot or not. Like, I'm not sure. You know, like that parking space and really. Um, uh, and so, again, I had a little experience, but I just had this image and so based off of that, my, my image of the Holy Spirit was as very narrow. Like the spiritual is this very narrow set of things that he does. And I would have na- identified that narrow set as just weird. Like he does these very specific narrow things, and they just seem weird to me. And, and if, if I were to get filled with the Spirit, I would become weird, Okay. That would have been a bag I care. Now, some of you came out of that tradition, or you are, you know, that was a, so you have a completely opposite experience from me. Um, and then the third one, I think if I would have sat long enough underneath the bag of confusion and the bag of suspicion and guardness, I think there actually would have been this bag of, of actually longing. Like, oh, there's, there's something that I long for in what I hear about the Holy Spirit. Um, I'm thinking of like where Jesus says something like this. In John 7, he says, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within him. And then John goes on to say, By this he meant the spirit who, who Jesus would, uh, would later give to his followers. And I think if you had asked me at 18, there would have been something about this image of streams of living water flowing from within me that my very heart and soul could become this fountain of life-giving water refreshment that I would have said, oh man, I, I long for that. And, and as I look at my life, like, I kind of go, I don't know if I totally have that. I mean, I, I look at my constant anxiety and, and, and fears and, and my struggle with sin feels so heavy and my caring so much about what people think of me as an 18 year old and I might kind of look at my life and I believe in all this stuff but I I, I think I would have gone like is this is this it like am I am I living it is this life to the full that Jesus promises and I would have said I, I wonder if there's something deeper and richer that that God has for me than what I'm currently experiencing but I would have I would have longed for that in a very maybe guarded, self-protected way, because like, I don't want to set myself up. I don't want to hope that that's there and then be disappointed. And so maybe this is, this is the Christian life, what I'm living right now. 
So I think I would have, I would have come to this with, with each of those bags. And every one of us has our own set of assumptions about the Spirit. And so I, I just want to start by saying my, my hope is that we can begin this together, a fresh journey on, on a very, this is a very central uh, part of our faith, that, that we could just bring our, our baggage, good and bad, to the Lord together at the front end of this and say, Lord, here's, here's our assumptions, here's our experiences, here's our guardedness, here's our openness, here's our longings, and we just want to acknowledge they're there and bring them to you. And so we, let, let's be open. I love what Mark said. Let's be open, just saying, this is, this is what I bring, but Lord, what would it be like to just come to the scriptures fresh again? And here, what does your word have to say about your spirit? And can I be open to a deeper understanding of him, uh, to a deeper appreciation of him, and certainly to a deeper experience of him? Is that something that you would have for me in this new year? Whatever that might look like, without me setting expectations for what that is. Um, that's my heart for us, that we would come to this and say, Lord, we're, we're just open. If your spirit wants to, 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 to teach us new things and to renew us in new ways, Man, we do not want to get in the way of that. So that's the posture that um, I hope we can have. You know, Lord, your spirit, have, have your way in us in this new decade, in this new year. All right, so today I want to start, especially in light of all the issues around the Holy Spirit, I want to start with the most simple idea of all that hopefully will be disarming and helpful. And um, this is going to be really simple today. And we'll, we'll get into a lot more detail later. But there's a very simple point I want to make that is, I think the most important thing I can say about the Holy Spirit, and, and it's this, that the Holy Spirit, simply put, is all about Jesus, okay? So if you hear nothing else today, hear that. The Holy Spirit is all about Jesus. He is given to us so that we can know Jesus more intimately, so that we can become more like Jesus, so that we can make Jesus known to others more effectively. The Holy Spirit is all about Jesus, all right? So that's the point I want to make. Uh, I'll keep it pretty short, um, and I think that will be helpful for, for all of us. So I wanted to start with Jesus' own words about the Holy Spirit, and this is in the upper room, and we've spent a lot of time thinking about the upper room lately because we were in First John, and he draws a lot about what Jesus says in the upper room. So this is the night before Jesus dies, and he's going to talk about another comforter that's going to come and be with the people now that Jesus is leaving. Now, before I read these words, I, I, I stepped back and I thought, I want to just think of Jesus' own relationship with the Holy Spirit this morning. Like, as he lived his life, what was his experience of the Spirit like? What was his relationship with the Spirit like? What did these, these 12 apostles who were with him that night, what had they experienced from this man over three years that then speaks into what he says to them tonight, all right? So I want to just take you through like a three-minute journey through Jesus' life in the Spirit. And again, the point is to connect the Spirit with Jesus today. Uh, and that brings me to what we just celebrated. What holiday did we just celebrate? What was that? New Year's, New Year's, of course, is the holiday. Yeah, Christmas. Um, that was weird. It's, it's a, it's a, I, 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 never mind. Um, so the, the Jesus' life in the Spirit begins where? It brings, even before that, it, it begins, that's the next one, uh, it begins at his birth, right? This is the Christmas story. 
This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. So the human Jesus and his humanity is is a creation of the Holy Spirit, right? Conceived of the Holy Spirit, we say. He was birthed by the Holy Spirit. He lives his early life, uh, and then his ministry, his public ministry, begins at his baptism. And what happens at his baptism? As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. This is the Spirit now anointing him, empowering him for his public ministry. He hears the voice from heaven, you are my son, I love you, I'm well pleased with you. We'll talk about that voice later in this series, because that's the Spirit's role. So the Spirit births him, in a sense, and then the Spirit anoints him and empowers him for his public ministry. What happens right after that? Jesus full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, thanks a lot, Spirit, right, where he was tempted for 40 days by the devil. So the Spirit leads him into this, this, uh, this fight with the devil for 40 days, and Jesus emerges from that temptation, having conquered the devil through the power of the Spirit. So then Luke goes on in 4.14, this is right after the temptation, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread to the whole countryside. And then he begins his public ministry. His first sermon in Luke's gospel takes place in his hometown of Nazareth, and this is how he starts his public ministry. He quotes from Isaiah, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, right? The Spirit is upon me, and he's got a role for me of teaching, healing, preaching, loving, and I'm going to do it. Um, here's one. All these, these demons that pop up in Jesus' ministry. Uh, he's exercising demons. He's healing people, right? Reintegrating human beings. And he says this. If it is by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons, and it is, um, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. It's in the power of the Spirit that I'm able to defeat the powers of darkness. Here's another one. Um, Jesus sends his, his 12 out to the towns, and they preach and heal people and, and do all these great things, and they come back and report to him what's happened. And it says this, this, At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. So he hears about the victories they've had. And the Spirit moves in him, and he's filled with great joy, and he bursts forth in praise and prayer to his Father. It's a great passage. Um, this is now Hebrews. He gives his life at the cross through the Spirit. Look at how, how the author of Hebrews says it. How much more, then, will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself unblemished to God, is through and in the power of the Spirit that he offers himself to God, and then his resurrection takes place through the Spirit. And if the Spirit of who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. All that to say from birth, through ministry, through death and resurrection, Jesus' life is entirely a life lived in the Spirit. All right, I know that seems like a basic idea, but I want to just... You're going to hear that today. I mean, there's, there's two lenses to look at Jesus through. One is he's God in the flesh. There's a lens, right? And that's how I think most of us think of him when we read, well, well, he's God in the flesh, so of course he does miracles. Of course he knows what people are thinking. Of course, you know, he lives this perfect life. He's God in the flesh. And that's a very appropriate lens. That's right. 
But I want to give you another lens today that is actually at least as common a lens as what the gospel writers are, is this. He is God in the flesh, but you know what else he is? He is the spirit-filled human being. He is a perfectly spirit-filled. He is a human being living the life of the spirit in the power of the spirit in total dependency on the spirit. This is how John describes him. For the one whom God has sent, that's Jesus, speaks the words of God. Why? For God gives him the spirit without limit. In Jesus Christ, you're seeing a a human being whom God has poured out his spirit in limitless capacity. And that is why he is doing the things he's doing. Okay, both lenses are important, but I want you to sit with this lens today. Um, He is a a spirit-filled human being. And John the Baptist says, and he's going to come and he'll, he'll then baptize you in the spirit. All right, so that's Jesus' life. So that's what they had witnessed. These, these, these men had witnessed three years of a man walking in the spirit, living by the spirit. And now he's going to say some things about the spirit, all right? So let's turn to our passage. And I just want to make a couple, I want to look at a couple phrases this morning that Jesus makes, connecting the spirit to him. All right, so let's, get, let's look at verse 15 through 17 to begin. Uh, If you love me, keep my commandments. That's 1 John. We did that, right, in the fall. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. Okay, let me stop there. So Jesus describes the spirit as another advocate to help you. My trans, this is the NIV, describes him as an advocate to help you. That's all translating one Greek word which is a word that many of you know. It's parakletos, which we get the word paraclete from. And what the word means is someone who is called alongside to help, okay? So your trans, there's, everyone translates this word differently. It might say a, another comforter or another advocate or another uh, counselor or another encourager, another helper. Someone who's called alongside to help, to encourage, to advocate for, to comfort, Okay? That's who the Spirit is. And notice Jesus says, I will send another helper. So, tough question. Who's the other helper? Who's the first helper? Jesus, right? Jesus is the other advocate or the other helper. That's for three and a half years, Jesus has been called alongside these guys to help them, to teach them, to encourage them, to comfort them, to convict them. He's had a ministry with them, right? He's been doing this. In fact, right now, what he's trying to do is comfort them. He's just told them, I'm leaving you, and they're very sad. And so he's here trying to comfort them. So Jesus is the other comforter, and he's saying, I'm leaving now, but don't worry. The Father's going to send another advocate, another helper, just like me. All right, so let me just stop there for a second. And I just want you to notice, notice how, um, how personal that sounds, how Jesus seems to be describing a person, right? Someone who is a person as he is, a, someone who is personal as he is personal, not some just vague, you know, misty idea, but like, no, a person like he's a person. And this week, what I did was I looked at all the different things that the Holy Spirit does, different verbs that get attached to the Holy Spirit. And I just noticed how, how personal, like these are things that a person does. Let me just show you some of these, these verbs. Um, he guides us. He teaches us. That's what a person does. He speaks 
He testifies. He intercedes for us. He has desires of his own. Uh, More. He searches all things. He knows the mind of God. Here's the one that makes it really feel personal. God knows his mind. Okay? God knows the Spirit's mind, it says, Paul says that. He cries out within our hearts, and he can be grieved by certain things that we do. All that to say, we're talking about not something that is far from just an impersonal, blobby force, right? Um, we're talking about a person. And in fact, the Spirit's role is to make our relationship with God deeply, deeply personal. And I look back now at my life, and I think the most personal, intimate moments I've had with God, those moments where God just speaks into my soul, where I just start weeping because some truth is made real to me. Now, the the most personal things that I would almost not want to share with you because it would feel like I shouldn't share these with you. I now look at that, oh, that's the Spirit. Like that, that, that was the spirit at work in the most personal moments of my life with God, not impersonal moments. So that's a point I just want to make, that he is a person, and he's personal, and he's come to make our relationship with Jesus personal. So I have a goal for us this, this, this whole series. Um, you're not allowed to refer to the Holy Spirit as an it, okay? The Holy Spirit is he throughout this series. You can go back to it afterwards if you want. If I say it, you can raise your hand, Dave. Sorry, you said it, and you can correct me, okay? But let's talk about the Spirit as as a he, as a way of thinking. No, he's a person. He's personal just as Jesus is. Um, So he is another counselor just like the first counselor with one very important difference between the two counselors. And here it is. Look at verse 17. The second half of verse 17. Here's the difference between the two counselors. But you know him, for he lives with you, and here it is, and will be in you. That's the difference between the two counselors. Jesus was with them. This counselor will be in them. Jesus walked alongside them for three and a half years. The other counselor will live in them forever. And this describes a very strange statement Jesus makes in chapter 16. I'll I'll just put it up here. This is what Jesus says uh, just a chapter later. Uh, Very truly, I tell you, it's actually for your good that I'm going away. Because unless I go away, the advocate won't come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now, you say truly, truly, you start a sentence like that when the people think what you're about to say, there's no way what you're about to say is true. Okay? Because they cannot, the the disciples, I promise you this night, they cannot fathom a world where it would be good for Jesus to leave. But Jesus knows. He says, no, actually, it's good. Because if I go, I will send the second counselor. And the difference is he will be in you. I can only walk alongside you. And it's, it's kind of a weird thing to think about. But you look at Jesus, like, public ministry, his, you know, three and a half years with these guys, as amazing as it was, there were limitations to it. Like, I mean, he could teach them, he could model things for them, he could encourage them, he could, you know, share things, but it almost feels weird to say this. He didn't get inside of them and change them from the inside out. I mean, he had his, his personal influence that was compelling and his words of truth, but you watch these guys for those three and a half years, and you're like, yeah, there was limits. Like, uh, they followed, but man, they still had a lot of pride. I mean, there's a, there was a lot of status seeking between them and competition between them. They were half-hearted. Half the time they had no faith. You know, they're kind of like, they kind of messed up a lot, you know? 
And then Jesus leaves, and then Pentecost happens. And another advocate, that's the second comforter, comes and lives inside of them. And you see the absolute transformation of these men and women from the inside out. People who are now filled with humility, filled with courage, willing to die. I mean, it's, it's different. And Jesus was right. It was good that he would leave so that the second counselor could come. Jesus outside of them is one thing. Jesus within them is a whole nother ministry and a more powerful ministry. It's weird to say it, but that you read the story, that's exactly how the story goes. So now it is the ministry of Jesus continued, but from the inside out, okay? And I'm just making a very simple point today. I'm just gonna make it one or two more times here and then I'll be done. His ministry then is of the second comforter is to connect us with the first comforter, okay? His ministry is to connect us with Jesus. Look at verse 18. I love this. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world won't see me anymore, but you'll see me because I live, you also will live. So he says, I'm not leaving you, which is a strange thing to say because early in the chapter he said, I'm leaving you. I'm leaving you and I'm going back to the Father. Now he says, no, I'm not leaving you. I'll come to you. Well, how can you be leaving and not leaving at the same time? Well, the answer is, well, he's leaving physically, but he's coming to them through the person of the Holy Spirit. Spiritually, he's going to come and be with them in their hearts. That is the way he is present with them is through his Holy Spirit. That is the role of the Spirit, to mediate the presence of Jesus to God's people today. Okay, if I were to ask you a simple question, where's Jesus now? How would you answer that question? Where's Jesus right now? There's two answers. They're both right, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. One is, you know what, Jesus, he died, he's raised, he's, the, he's, he's in heaven at the right hand of the Father. Scott said that earlier. He's standing at the right hand of the Father in heaven. That's absolutely accurate. Another is, he's present in and among his people. Well, how is that possible? Well, that's possible through his Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus Christ. All right? Let me just show you a couple verses. This is a fantastic verse in Romans 8. Paul says this, If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. Okay? If you don't have the Spirit, you're not a Christian. Now, what I would expect him to say next, but if anyone does have the Spirit of Christ... But notice he doesn't say that. He says, if anyone doesn't have the spirit of Christ, they don't belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, wait, I thought you were talking about the spirit. Are you talking about the spirit or Christ? Yes. Okay. The way that Christ is in you is through his Holy Spirit. Look at how interchangeable those are for him. Look at him in Ephesians 3. Here's a more famous verse. I pray that God may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. How does he do that? Through his spirit in your inner being. I love this quote from Andrew Murray. Up to this point, Jesus was still nothing more than an external Christ who stood outside of them and from the outside sought to work on them by his word and personal influence. With Pentecost, this condition was entirely changed. In the Holy Spirit, he came down as the indwelling Christ to become the life of their lives. Instead of an outward Jesus near them, they now obtained the inward Jesus with them. Uh, My favorite image is verse 23. Just look at verse 23. I love this image. If anyone who loves me will obey my teaching, my Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home in them. 
this picture of the God of the universe, Father and Son, coming to make a home in us. How does that happen? Through the Holy Spirit, right? So turn to chapter 16, verse 12. And again, notice how the Spirit's role is to connect us with the things of Jesus, okay? This will be the last verses I'll read today. Verse 12, I have much more to say to you, more than you can bear, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you, all right? So let me just make a couple points there. Um, He will not speak on his own. He'll speak only what he hears. Does that sound familiar? Have you heard someone else talk like that? Jesus, right? I mean, Jesus throughout his ministry, he's always saying, hey, I I didn't come in my own. I don't speak on my own, right? I I come on behalf of the Father. I listen to the Father. What the Father tells me to say, I say to you. That's Jesus' ministry, to make the Father known to us. And now he's saying, with the Spirit, his ministry will will be similar. He's not going to speak on his own. He's going to listen to what he hears from me, and he's going to make that known to you. That's what he says. He will take what is mine and make it known to you. So all the things that are connected with Jesus, the Spirit's role is to take that and to make it known to us. Okay, so to get practical, who Jesus is, the fact that Jesus is the king, we're going to sing about that in a second, the fact that Jesus is our, is our savior, that he's our sacrificial lamb, right? that he is the Messiah, that he is God in the flesh, that the Spirit's role is to take those truths about Jesus and make them real to us today. And and all the things that we are because we're connected with Jesus, the fact that we are forgiven of our sins, the fact that we are adopted as God's beloved children, the the, the fact that we're heirs of eternal life, that we have this epic, epically beautiful inheritance waiting for us, the fact that God is present with us through all the circumstances of life because we're in Jesus. All of those things that we are, the gospel (laughs) through Jesus Christ, the spiritual is to take those things and make them real in our lives so that we actually experience them in our hearts. They're not just words on a page, but they become living realities that we live from every day. I am loved by my Father. There's there's nothing that can separate me from his love. I have power. I can go into this world with authority and I can speak truth into people's lives in Christ. Whatever it is, the Spirit Spirit is there to make this real in my heart. Connected with all the things of Jesus. Jesus says, verse 14, He will glorify me. The Spirit's role is to, to glorify Jesus, to show how glorious and beautiful and awesome Jesus is. That's his role. J.I. Packer calls the Holy Spirit, he has a spotlight ministry. And if you've ever been to an old theater, you go to an old play, right? And you've got the actors on the stage. But if you look back behind you, there's some guy back there uh, with the spotlight, right? And they're shining the spotlight on the actors. That's the role of the Spirit, is to shine the spotlight on Jesus Christ. So that everyone sees how beautiful and glorious and awesome Jesus is. And all the, all the goodness that we receive because we are in Christ. That is the role of the Spirit. All right, so I think that's enough for the day. Um, But let me just, having said that, let me just make a couple observations based off of my previous baggage. Um, Here's here's something to say. In light of that connection, what that means is that when we're filled with the Spirit, 
when we're walking with the Spirit in deep ways, um, we may not even be aware of it. Meaning, what we'll be aware of is Jesus. Like, I mean, when, when the Spirit is active, I might not be thinking, oh, Holy Spirit, thank you. I might just be looking at Jesus and go, Jesus, you are so great. I might be, I'm, I might be focused on the fact that my Father loves me and I'm, I'm having this profound moment of forgiveness in the midst of my sin because of what Jesus did for me. I'm not even thinking the Spirit's doing it. I'm just thinking of God. The Spirit is, is, is spotlighting that, right? Or I might, I might be out and see someone in need and I might just feel like, oh, I just... I need to go and reach that person with the love of Jesus right now. Dale Bruner calls the Spirit the shy member of the Trinity. He loves to, defer, he loves to point us to the other members. So I, I might not even be aware of it. What I'll be aware of is God, is Jesus. The Spirit is active and working. And the other thing, and I, I think to my previous baggage would be this, that, that um, being fully filled with the Spirit is not going to turn me into a weird person. Any more than Jesus was weird. Uh, and I suppose you could say Jesus was weird in some ways, right? I mean, he was weird in that he was really set apart from everybody else. I mean, he was so fully dedicated and committed to God. So in, in that sense, I guess being spirit-filled will make me weird, will make me different, but not weird for weird's sake. It just make me so fully committed to God. Like, God, I, I wake up today and I'm totally surrendered. Like, honestly, whatever you want for this day, I'm, I'm open. I do not need my agenda to, to work out today. Um, it'll leave you just yourself, but fully trusting in God. Fully resting in his great, more enthralled by his goodness. More filled with love for those around you. And that's not to say he might not work some wonders too. Um, just so you know, I, I, I believe that all the gifts of the Spirit are still active today. So I'll just lay out my cards at the beginning. I, I've seen enough of the Spirit in my own life and around me to go, I'm not going to put any boxes around what the Spirit does these days. Um, and I see nothing in Scripture that would lead me to think that, that those gifts would, would cease. And I understand all the dynamics there. But so all that to say, I'm open to, the, to the, the Spirit doing all sorts of stuff. The Spirit is wild, but the Spirit is not weird, if I can make that des- designation, Right? Like, he's wild. He's the spirit of God. He can do whatever he wants. I'm not going to limit that. But, but his role is not to make me weird. It's to make me more deeply the me that God created and more deeply passionate and sold out for the Lord. Point me to Jesus. Amen? All right. I'm going to leave you with yet one more verse. So here's my ask of us. This, this what time is it? It's like 12? I don't know what time it is. Um, Here's my ask at the beginning of the year it is this, that we as individuals and as a, a body, that we would ask, that, that we would just ask, God, would you, would you send your spirit in a fresh way? Your spirit's already here. I'm not making any, but would you like, would you do a work of renewal in my life? Would you do a work of renewal in our community? And don't try to fabricate anything. Don't try to muster up some emotion or anything like that. Just ask, right? I mean, it's his, it's his job. We have, we have no control over it. The it wasn't the spirit there. The it was like this process. So I, you know, just want to make sure I didn't I mess up here. Um, but we can ask. And actually, that's the very thing Jesus tells us to do, ask. So here's the, here's the verse I want to leave you with. Ask, and it will be given, Right? 
Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. Those are uh, present tense verbs mean keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. To the one who knocks, the door will be open. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? Can you imagine asking God for more of his spirit and God being like, I don't like that request. What kind of father would be that way? Look at how the verse ends. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your, father, your children, how much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So let's be a community that asks. And whatever, however God answers is great. If life looks exactly the same, great. If he does some fresh work, great. That's his prerogative, not ours. But we can come and ask. So let's be a people at the beginning of this year who ask, all right? So let me lead us in a prayer, and we'll ask, and then we'll sing. Well, Father, as we already have done, we, we just want to offer ourselves to you at the beginning of another year. You know us inside and out. You know our strengths. You know our weaknesses. Uh, you know our gifts. You know our limitations. And you know what you want to do. And you know what the next 10 years, it's crazy. You know exactly what the next 10 years holds for every single one of us. And in the midst of that, we offer you ourselves and we offer you this, your church. And we say, send your spirit in fresh ways to do fresh works in us of humility of love, of joy, of faith, of peace, of gentleness, of power, of witness, all the things that you want to do. Lord, would you move in us? We want those streams of living water. And we know we can't control you. We don't want to control And as Mark said, we, we don't want to try to do this in the power of, of ourselves. It doesn't, it's not what you have for us. So we just want to be open. And whatever you want this to be in our lives in this new year, whatever new, fresh things you want to work in our hearts, we just want to be open to that. But we ask, Lord, give us more. Work in new ways. Renew, heal, revive, convict, restore, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.